In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the owners grouping. senses and challenge your beliefs a world where science and religion clash or do they you will meet real people and hear real stories but you will not believe you will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds but you will not believe this is the new england ghost project welcome to the good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of ghost chronicles live on toginet I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me uh, is my special co-host, Bianca Brune, the queen of Hollow Hill. Thanks a lot, Ron. <laughs> hey, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I heard Thanks. you, uh, did you get to go that ghost hunting? Yeah, we I met with uh, Margaret Bile of Amateur Spirit Seekers. She's from Canada, and uh, she's a researcher that I've been to the Myrtles Plantation with, and she was uh, researching with me over in England last summer. So this week we were at the Coconut Grove Fire Site in Ooh. downtown Boston. Now, that is the second worst fire uh, in terms of death in the United States, and there were over 400 people who uh, lost their lives, and uh, it was a terrible situation, and it was a club uh, about two blocks away from the Park Plaza Hotel, as you know, downtown Boston at all, mm-hmm. and today it's it's mostly just a parking lot with a really ornate uh, cast iron fence that goes around it, but from even a block away, you can start feeling the heat of the flames on your face. It still has that much energy at it. Really? And yeah, it's a it's a wild place to go to because you look at it and you go, just a parking lot. Uh, but the dowsing rods were going crazy. Pendulum was going crazy. It's a good spot for uh, EMF because. The lights there are gas lamps. It's not electric, so you don't have as much interference as you do on most city streets. And, you know, you got to be respectful there because it, it, even though it's just two blocks from the hotel, it is a residential street. That said, it's, it's still a really untapped resource in terms of places you can go ghost hunting that haven't been trampled a bit by every other ghost hunter for the past 10 years. So it's it's a really intriguing site with extremely chaotic energy. We were picking up a lot of images, and uh, there's a one spot there. There's a row of grass that that follows this line for no reason, and that line it, it's just like this energy thing that sort of sucks you in. I, I can't explain it any other way. You know, it, it's like looking down the Funhouse corridor, and it's weird. It's a great site. We had a wonderful time. Hmm. Now, uh, you know, it's another thing. I don't know if you ever heard about. Do you, you have you heard about the Great Molasses Flood in Boston? Oh, absolutely. That's a great story. 
I, I mean, I wonder if there's anything residual for that, because some people did die in that. Oh, yeah, you can still smell the molasses on really hot days over on that side of uh, Beacon Hill. Uh, why don't you explain that a little bit, since, uh, you know, some of these people I'm from are around here, as they say. Oh, gosh, I, I would be getting my facts wrong, I'm afraid. But uh, basically, you know, they used to have these huge vats of molasses right close to downtown Boston. And they were processing the, the sugar cane into molasses. And uh, there was one day when something happened. I don't remember what it was, but the vats broke. And this molasses came pouring down the streets like a tidal wave. And um, it killed a lot of people. They drowned. Uh, okay, I've, I've just brought it up on Wikipedia here, and it says it was in 1919 in the North End right. of Boston, and it killed uh, 21 and injured 150. There's a pretty good photograph on uh, Wikipedia under Boston Molasses Disaster. And right. it was, you know, you, you can still smell the molasses. It's really weird. I know. Uh, I mean, there's so many. You know, I always thought, I mean, we talked about the Coconut Grove, which was a nightclub, and the decorations burned, and a lot of people died. In it. But, I mean, can you imagine, I mean, I would, it sounds terrible, but the night, the uh, station night fire in, in Rhode Island, yeah. of 100 people died there. Imagine the, the, the uh, energy there. Yeah. It must be horrifying, and especially for someone who's empathic. I imagine it would be, you know, absolutely terrible. It's it's pretty intense at the Coconut Grove site, and if anybody's looking this up online, it's spelled C O C O A N U T. That's what you're looking mm -hmm. for, not not the way the you know the, the coconut you buy in the store is necessarily spelled. It's, it's a slightly different spelling, and uh, because this is a location that very few ghost hunters have researched compared with other sites. There's still a lot of energy there that's been untapped, a lot of spirits there that are waiting to be released. It's got a lot of work to be done on it in terms of psychic energy. So, right. you know, you've got residual energy, you've got lingering spirits. It's just kind of a weird place. But, mm -hmm. you know, I always try and warn people when I am talking about it, and I don't talk about it often. But, you know, you're going to get there, and it's just a blacktop parking lot, just a little corner parking lot with a gas lamp next to it, and there's a plaque on the ground that explains approximately what happened. Yeah, that's, well, you know, another cool thing is the guest we have on the show tonight, which is uh, Marianne O'Connor. Uh, she has also written a book, uh, Haunted Heights of New Hampshire, which talks about some of the lesser-known uh, areas that you can go ghost hunting. I mean, you know, everybody thinks of haunted houses and stuff, but there's a lot of cool places that are outside that anybody can go to that are really, uh, you know, really fun to investigate. If you can say fun is a word for with investigating, uh, but it, she is going to be on the show. And uh, but speaking of uh, haunted hikes, uh, I actually was taken out know, today myself by a couple of the girls I used to work with. Uh, Lorraine and uh, Debbie, and they dragged me for a hike on this this cool place up in Algonquin, Maine. I can't think of the name of it. I call it the Miracle Mile, but it's it's something's way or something. Uh, and it goes all along the cliffs, and it, it that must be also. I bet you, if you went along that hike, that you would pick up on some energy. But uh, yeah, this is my first big outing since uh, my double bypass, and. Uh, 
it was uh, pretty tough for me, actually. I was very tired, but it, it was cool. It was absolutely a great time. So well, anyway, I'm glad that you why don't we bring our guest on the show? Um, she yeah. has written the book, Haunted Heights of New Hampshire. Her name is Marianne O'Connor. And uh, Marianne, you there? I am here. Hello, Ron. Hello. And uh, by the way, you can join us in the uh, chat room on TojiNet or call us, call us at 877-864-4869, yep, Now, Marianne, I, I am how are you? to the chat. I'm doing great tonight. How are you? Oh, I'm doing outstanding, actually. Yep. Uh, I heard about I just was listening to your hike. That sounds awesome. I, it would oh, be a yeah. cool trail if you if you write a second book. Uh, it's uh, Haunted Heights of New Year, of Maine. That of might Maine, be a good yeah. yeah. I was kind of interested in Maine, you know. So there we go. There's uh, the first story, maybe. It is, oh uh, yeah, Marianne, I mean, that's a great book. You, oh, thank you. I absolutely love it because it's got fresh material in it that you don't see all over the internet. You know, these, these are wonderful locations to go to. I'm just really excited about this. Oh, and thanks I also so noticed, much. I also noticed that Fiona uh, wrote uh, one of the uh, testimonies to it. Yeah, great. I did. Yeah. Get, yeah thank you for that about. blurb. You get you give good good blurb, Fiona. I'm gonna read it. <laughs> Here it comes. Here it comes, girl. Get ready for fun and a good scare. This is one of the most interesting, unusual books for ghost hunters. It's something different for hikers too. This is one of the best regional ghost hunting books I've ever read. Wow, that's pretty cool. It's filled it's with great haunted hikes along some of New Hampshire's most beautiful and eerieest trails. Fiona Broom, founder of Hollow Hill, the ghost hunting website, www.hollowhill.com. And I believe that's your friend. I, I do thank you for that. That was a great blurb. Well, you know, I meant it. You know, they, they sent me a copy of the book, and, you know, I get sent a lot of books, and I don't review most of them because... You know, a lot of them are the same old stories, and when I got that book, I was so excited because, you know, we really need fresh material like that, and mm-hmm. it's well-written, it's got good pictures, I, I just I just absolutely love it. Awesome. Well, one of the things that I, I really enjoy about it myself, and one of the, probably the most exciting part to the book, was talking to people who were, uh, are obscure sort of legends in their own time anyway, who have had these encounters, one of them um, being the AMC hut master, Joe, who I happened to be able to track down. His name is Joe Gill. And he had the very first haunted experience with the ghost of Red Mac up at the Carter Notch hut in Pinkham Notch. And to hear him tell his story, and he's a very guarded man, um, but he told it exactly the way that it happened to him, and it was wonderful to just get those first-hand accounts of, of people who'd had encounters that can be explained no other way. So for me, that was, it was just awesome listening to all of their stories. There's really so many stories surrounding Mount Washington and the huts and AMC in general, um, and I feel like I probably got the best ones out there, so I was really pleased so with that. what possessed you to write this book? <laughs> well, I, I'm a freelance writer, and I, I write for The Hippo, which is a free uh, news press um, oh, yeah. in, in, out of Manchester. I've been doing that for three years, and I'm a hiker, and one of the things that I found from my readers is that I would do a hike, promote it, talk about it, I always went with my kids because I 
want to encourage families to take hikes. And people would say to me, oh, I loved doing this hike because, you know, you talked about a, a story that went with it or something that happened on the mountain or just sort of some piece of history that made the hike more interesting or made it weird or creepy in some way that that was more likely to encourage people to go out and try it. And I thought, well, great. And in some cases, I just heard about things. Like I'd heard about the ghost of Red Mac. Um, I heard about the presence on Mount Washington. I'd heard these stories before. And, but I didn't really begin to do the research on them um, until, uh, until last year and began to put them together in this collection for, for working with publishing works out of Exeter. So that's really how it came about. And some of it, some of these stories, I, I swear to God, I just stumbled upon them. Um, one of the stories that I was doing for the Hippo had to do with Black History Month. I was researching a mountain that was named after a black slave, which is Coit Mountain out in Newport. I had no idea that that mountain was even haunted to begin with. I'm out there doing a story on black history. <laughs> and it just so happens I talked to the Park and Recs coordinator because the the mountain is on uh, town forest land. And I said, hey, you know, uh, I was out walking the trails on Coit Mountain. And I, I couldn't ha- shake the feeling that someone else was out here with me. I kept seeing like a, sh- a shadowy figure. And I was trying to reach them or get their attention, and they kept disappearing. That was just kind of, I had a weird experience. And I, I asked the park director, I said, Is, are there any stories related to this mountain that I can tell my hippo readers about? Do you have any ghost stories? And he says, it's funny that you mention that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then he told me, I, I began to learn uh, the history there with the, uh, with the black history and the settlers, who, the freed slaves who lived on the mountain, who were ostracized by the community. And um, it, it goes on and on. But I worked very closely with the New Hampshire Historical Society to make sure that my facts were very accurate Especially in that story, it was just I found it to be really important. So, there are so many books out there that people do not do the research and do oh. not check out the facts, and they go out and they get the things published, and then all of a sudden we're starting to, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Not promote, but uh, you know, we're like it's verifying rumors, basically, and it, it's really not. I mean, they're not doing the research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. that's why I get really excited about a book like this because. It has that ring of authenticity, and it's, it's really fresh material. It's not the same old stuff that's just being repeated that they saw on some website and, you know, just embellished it for a book. This is original material. And, you know, as, as somebody who, you know, also writes books, I feel as though sometimes the spirits want their stories to be told. I, I feel as though they're kind of wanting to be acknowledged. And so I, I do feel as though these funny coincidences happen where we discover these stories that aren't well-known, and we get to share them with, with the public. And then maybe these spirits get acknowledged, and, and maybe they can move on. I don't know. It's just, you know. You know, Fiona, I, I totally believe that, that whole coincidence thing, because I can't tell you how many times that happened to me. And I'll give you another example. I'd found, I would wanted to kind of do a funny story. I thought, oh, I'll do a whole funny chapter on all the places that are named after Satan or the devil in New Hampshire. (laughs) And there's quite a few of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I happened to do some research on, in 
on uh, Devil's Den, which is uh, a small mountain up in the Lakes region in New Durham. And I went up with my two daughters one day, and we began reading in the AMC guides that, well, you know, we don't know why it was named Devil's Den. I called the New Durham Town Library, and they, they, they were, there were a number of different legends of why it's called that. But we went made the trip out there one day, got a little lost, yes, uh, found the caves, had just a wonderful time. It was so unique. It's probably, of all of the hikes, the most unique hike because it happens to be cave exploring as well as hiking. And you are inside this cave and you can see markings on the walls, you know, if you have a, a good flashlight. So we got out of there, and we're just talking a mile a minute, like, you know, what did you feel in there? There was just definitely this uh, an energy. It was just so, um, it, it was just definitely something to it. So we're driving back, and we're hungry. We've been hiking all day. And I said, let's look at Here's a great place we'll pull over and have a little sandwich at this little deli. And we started talking to the deli owners about what I was doing for my project. And they said, well, you know about the... The witch's grave, don't you? I said, no, I don't know about the witch's grave. <laughs> well, my next, door, there? my next door neighbor has a witch buried in her backyard. Get out of town. So the next thing I know, she's calling her neighbor and saying, hey, I got someone here who wants to come out to the to see your witch's grave. And um, and and so I made the trip out. I've become friends with this woman, Debbie, who lives in East Alton, who has a witch buried in her backyard. And How extraordinary! It was, and I, and I swear, it was one of those weird things. Like a conversation happened, mm-hmm. and I became friendly with with this woman who was in the deli that day. And she said to me, "You don't happen to need an illustrator for your project, do you?" <laughs> I said, "I said yes. I'm actually really looking for an illustrator." And she was my illustrator. Her name is Marshall LeMay from Alton. What fun. And, you know, when you start writing about this, you know, people often ask, how, how do you find ghost stories and how do you find haunted places? I feel as though when you put yourself in a position to share this information with other people, these ghosts, they come out, they go out of their way to find you. It, it, it's true. They, they, they go out of their way to, to, to find me. And, and, um, and that's what I, I felt happened probably again and again where, oh, do you know about this? You know, gee, this is a, a local legend in town. Do you know about it? I said, oh, my gosh, no, I don't. I've never even heard of that. So that was so much fun for me to have those coincidences happen, which was, was, was very validating for me that I think I'm on the right track here. I think, I think this was, is a, was right for me to do this. It was meant to be. And I hope I, I, I did the spirits justice by retelling of their stories as best that I could. So it's really been a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading it, and it's it's something I'm looking forward to exploring these different places uh, because you know I love I'm a hiker as well. I love to be outdoors and to have an excuse to go someplace that's you know really fresh air and bright and and fun. You know, because a lot of haunted places we go to, they're dark, they're dingy, they're creepy, they're you know old right. cemeteries with you know depressions where they're unmarked graves and stuff like this. Kind of morbid stuff, but right. on a hike. Totally different deal. Yeah. And I think, you know, I can go over each each and every place, but one of the first ones that I did was, um, and I worked very closely, too, with the Forest Society of New Hampshire, uh, 
Society for the Protection of New Hampshire Forest, they own three of those properties. And I had to approach them, and I was very worried. I thought, oh, I don't know how they're going to feel. I'm going to you know, be asking them here if I can you know, have their consent to discuss their properties as you know, paranormal places of interest. How are they yeah. how are they gonna receive that from me, you know? Yeah, and some people don't like it. Some people don't like it. But they were wonderful, I can't tell you enough. And Dave Anderson, who is the education coordinator for the Forest Society, actually wrote the foreword to the book and I was so grateful for him for doing that. And they're part of a campaign to also um it's called the Children and Nature Network, or when I first came aboard this summit, it was called Leave No Child Inside in New Hampshire. And it's really a movement to, to, to promote getting people outside and on, on the trails and exploring forests and mountains. So I thought, well, if this can be even one mode to, to, to facilitate people to say, hey, I want to go check this place out. I want to see this place for myself. I'm interested in this. Then, you know, that's in itself to me an accomplishment. I really want people to get out there and hike and explore. So it just has a little bit of a, a twist to it, that's all. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, nice stories in there. I mean, one of them you did look at was the, uh, the presence on the Mount Washington Observatory. Right. And do you want to talk a little bit? Because I actually did some research on that, and I almost, I almost uh, spent the... Uh, uh, night there at the observatory to uh, track, try to track this thing down. No kidding. Well, um, I've, I spoke to a number of people at the observatory, one of them being Peter Crane. He's uh, the yep, director there. Peter the Cranium Crane, as he's known as. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I also spoke with uh, Nicholas Howe, who's the author of Not Without Peril. And he wrote, uh, he talks about the presence quite a bit in his in in his book and if you're not familiar with it it's it as an account of um many of the the deaths that occurred on Mount Washington over the last 250 years it's an amazing book and he is the authority on Mount Washington and the tragedies that took place there and the belief among many in the AMC um and in the forest society is that what the presence is is perhaps an embodiment of these spirits who were lost on Mount Washington. And there are just many tragic tales, um, as well as disappearances, people who have been seen and then never seen again on Mount Washington. And Peter is, uh, as a scientist, um, and in my discussion with him, you know, wants to go back to the logical and this can be explained by such and such, but he says there there are things that that there are no explanation for. One of them uh, is what he calls corner cats, and that in the observatory, many times people will think they see a shadow slinking out of the the corners of their eye, and they say, "What? What the? What, the, what was that? I just saw something move out of the corner of my eye." And that's what they call them up there. They call them corner cats. It looks like a black cat moving away. And there's, they've really not been able to give any explanation for that. Um, he also talked about elevators going up and down on their own and toilets flushing by themselves. Um, <laughs> there, there's things that happen that he says 
you, we, we can try to explain those things, um, but some of those things we really can't explain. So, Have you heard some of the uh, other stories about, like, the fighting men? The what? Fighting men. I don't no. Th- no, I don't know about that story. Oh, yeah, there was, uh, there was one of the guys up there, uh, um, he, the, uh, his boss or, or his co-worker came in, and he found them out in the regular room. He says, well, why not you sleep, sleeping in your own room? Just, I'm tired of fighting with the guy that's in there. Uh, there was the spirit in there of some guy that, that did not like him, and they ended up getting in his little tiff. And so he just gave up on it and ended up sleeping in the other room uh, where he wouldn't go for some reason. No, now, did that happen at the observatory? Or... That was at the observatory. That was at the observatory. Because there are yeah. other stories related to the Lakes of the Clouds hut that are yeah. also very... Very chilling, very frightening, and when I first began to hear those stories, those were the stories that gave me the, the chills. What about the one with the brass plaque? Now, that's an interesting story, and I spoke to Nick Howe at length about how this happened, and this is the story of William Curtis and Alan Ormsby, who were famed hikers um, from 1900, and they planned to hike to the summit of Mount Washington back when the summit house was still there. And they started off on June 30th, which was a beautiful day. It turned tragic. A storm rolled in, and we all know Mount Washington storms are world's worst weather. The highest recorded one is recorded at Mount Washington. Yeah, Uh, yeah, 237-mile-per-hour wind. That's right. Yep. So these men were were trapped in this horrible storm. One of the men, um, William Curtis, he was known as Father Curtis, and they were from New York. They were from the New York Fresh Air Club. Father Curtis was a bit older. Um, Alan was the younger of the two, and his thought was that if he pressed on, he could reach the summit house, meet up with the other hikers that were part of this whole group get-together and help rescue Father Curtis. Neither of them ever made it to the Summit House. They were both found days later uh, frozen to death on the Crawford Pass. At the site where their bodies were, now this was before the Lakes of the Clouds hut was built, and it was because of their deaths the following year the AMC began to build that hut as a shelter for precisely that reason, because of weather situations. Mm-hmm. So a plaque was placed at the very site along the Crawford Path where Father Curtis's body was found. It was a plaque that was fastened down and said, says his name, William Curtis's body was found here, uh, June, his date of death, June 30th, uh, 1900. And for some odd reason, this plaque didn't seem to like its place. And the story goes that the plaque, for some weird reason, would blow off of that rock to which it was fastened, and it would wind its way up at the porch or at the door of the Lakes of the Clouds hut. And the story goes that over and over again, the plaque was refastened to the very spot where he was found. That's simply amazing. I hate to uh, break this up right now, but we have to take a break. And sure. Uh, Sparkles Live on Toji Net.
We will be uh, right back after these messages with Marianne O'Connor in Haunted Hikes of New Hampshire. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Casper the Insane Dane, and I would like to introduce you to the Black Knight and Squad G Show. Somebody sent me a story about the guy who wrote that song. The Hokey Pokey, he uh, died. They tried to put him in the casket. First, they put his right foot... And then the trouble started there. <laughs> From that point on, I'm just singing all about. <laughs> and then the next day, the funeral for Simon. Simon says, Simon, he wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't listen to what I said. Hey, Simon. Oh, God. Boy. Look at this here. Put him in the coffin. He won't go. Okay. Simon, Simon says. says. <laughs> Simon says, can I bury him now? No, you didn't say Mother May I. Mother May I. Mother May I. <laughs> Put your right foot in. Simon says, Mother, may I? <laughs> That's all uh, it takes. www.bksgshow.com for more information. Whatever happened to Peggy Sue? She was 17 when Buddy Holly wrote the song that changed her life. Buddy Holly's hit song, Peggy Sue. Tragedy struck on February 3rd, 1959, when Buddy Holly was killed in a plane crash. Peggy Sue's whole world crashed as well, and now Peggy Sue is telling her story. The whole controversial story, it's the real story about a relationship with Buddy and the real story of her marriage to Buddy's best friend and a drummer in the band. A marriage that was filled with emotion and physical abuse. It's the autobiography of Peggy Sue Guerin called Whatever Happened to Peggy Sue. And now, Peggy Sue is reaching out to women who feel trapped in a marriage of physical abuse. The National Coalition Against Domestic Violence has named Peggy Sue as one of its main spokespersons and to host a new domestic violence radio show on Togenet.com. Whatever Happened to Peggy Sue is available on the web at PeggySueOnline.com and at national bookstores. Whatever Happened to Peggy Sue, published by Togi Entertainment. We're back. Hello. <laughs> We're back. This is Ghost Chronicles on TojiNet. I am Ron Kolick, and my special host is Fiona Broom. And with us on the line is Marianne O'Connor, the author of Haunted Hikes of New Hampshire. If anybody wants to call in, the number is 877-864-4869. 877-864-4869. Uh, your comments, your questions, or oh, you can join us in the uh, chat room, which is uh, going uh, right now. So, uh Marianne, yeah. uh, I want to talk about the presence. We were talking about a little bit about the presence of the Mount Washington Observatory. There's actually been reports of the presence on several mountains, not just Mount Washington, but yeah. uh, several mountains across the world, actually, that there are uh, something. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one of the scientific uh, reasons they believe is that because uh, the air is so much thinner out and a lack, lack of uh, oxygen, there is a... Uh, a little bit of uh, hallucinating and... Right. Uh, yep, I've heard so, of that, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, I can't buy into that one because if that was true, we'd have it on a whole lot more mountains, and we don't. Oh, we do have it on. It is on a lot of mountains. The presence is on a lot, a lot of mountains throughout the world, actually. There mm-hmm. is a reports of it. Yep. And I think what makes Mount Washington unique, uh, though, Ron, are the... The, tra- the tragedies, the the horrific deaths that that have taken place that happened on the mountain, um, the again the unexpected disappearances, 
people who um, who just died in such a, a horrific, horrible way that you you do feel an energy. I've I've climbed Mount Washington um, quite a few times. In fact, I just climbed it on June 30th with uh, my brother for his 50th birthday. We took a troop of kids with us. We had nine of them. And I kept thinking, and it was really not a great weather day, and I kept thinking, oh, good spirits, please be smiling on us today. We just want to get to the summit and down. Yeah. Right. And we but did. Wanna... It can come up in the, middle of, in the middle of summer. You can still get the fierce weather coming in. Right. And that's a lot, just I mean, it, yeah. a lot of Indian, Native American and Indian beliefs that the spirits are in the mountains. So, I mean, that goes right. along with the idea of the presence as well. Yep, it, it did. Many of the Natives would, would not climb the mountain. They they were so fearful of that spirit that um, they 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 would not climb it. They would not go near it. It was known as Adiochuk. Ag- I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but yeah, the great great spirit of Adiochuk. So, anyways, Marianne, we would definitely have to go out with you somewhere on you know, one of these haunted trails and check them out for ourselves. I would love that. By, uh, I think that would be so much fun. Yeah, I, I would. I would love it. I think it would be great. There are a couple I think that would be just phenomenally uh, fun to do at night. Um, of course, that would mean, Ron, that uh, people would have to put their hiking boots on and uh, hike along a trail someplace That's at nighttime. Problem. That's not a problem. We went into the uh, Freetown State Forest with uh, no guides or anything. We just used dowsing and our thermal imaging and our infrared cameras and uh, we went pug buggy hunting, hunting, and uh, yeah, it was it was good. That's it's awesome. No problem yeah. at all. One of the neat hikes um, that I enjoyed, and probably one of the most beautiful places and spaces that I've seen in a long time, and I got this tip from Dave Anderson, who worked at the Forest Society. He said, "You know, geez, have you heard about the woman whose whose uh, castle ruins are out in in West Chesterfield, New Hampshire?" And, again, this is Forest Society-owned property mm-hmm. where uh, a castle was built by Madame Cherie, who was a costume designer from the Zigfield Follies. She built a, this stone and granite castle out on the slopes of Mount Wanastiquit out in West Chesterfield. Now, the hike to her castle ruins is not very far at all. It's a very short hike. Um, but once... Once you see this this castle ruins for yourself, it's just amazing. There's a spiral stone staircase that, it's a staircase, they call it the stairway to heaven, is what the locals call it. And the word is, is that her spirit is seen here. Um, I recently did a book signing at the Manchester Barnes & Noble, and a woman came in and she had with her uh, a, an enlarged photograph she wanted my wanted me to sign her book. She'd already picked up the book, and she'd made the trip out to West Chesterfield. It's out toward Keene. It's on the Vermont border. In fact, she died and is buried in Brattleboro. Well, she had gone out, taken some pictures of the staircase, and you can see, she's going to be sending me the image, but you can see an image in the picture of that staircase. It just sent chills up my spine. I, you could You could see it. And um, I was I was thrilled. It was just a, it's a beautiful place to visit anyway. Um, but the castle ruins are just such a bonus. And Speaking of uh, uh, seeing pictures and stuff, do you have a website, Miriam? I I'm so glad that you brought that up. I just <laughs> recently 
put a MySpace page on uh, Haunted Hike, so it's www.myspace.com forward slash Haunted Hikes. And okay. it's, um, I need somebody to help me sort of pimp my site up because I'm not too good at that, but I, it really is uh, brand new. And what I wanted to tell your listeners is that if people would like to purchase the book off of me, I will, um, I will ship it for free if uh, cool. they'd like to make a purchase. So there's information on, on the site about that if you want to purchase the book, if you're interested. But I'm also interested in hearing other people's stories, and that was so much fun for me to do um, the book signing in Manchester. I have another one coming up this weekend in Center Harbor. But to have people really share their stories with me um, was incredible. I, I really enjoy just being a listener so much of the time and, and taking it in and, and hearing what people ha- have have seen and experienced. You're a great storyteller as well, so, I mean, it works both ways. You know? No, thank you very much. And I've, I've always been a writer. My dad's a writer, so it was pretty natural for me to, to pick that up. My, my dad uh, taught at UMass Lowell. He taught uh, college writing, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you come by it uh, uh, from, from many angles. You've got a lot of skill and natural-born talent there. The book is, is a fascinating read. And, you know, I just can't rave about it enough. I was so impressed. And I read a lot of these books. So, you know, it, 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 it's not just an idle compliment when I say I really like this book. And uh, I'm delighted you're going to be selling it at your at your website or at your MySpace page, uh, Haunted Hikes, because, you know, what, the, in the chat room, I don't know if you've seen, a couple of people were asking how to get copies of the book. And, oh, okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. I, I'm not too good at multitasking when I'm on the telephone and trying to chat in the chat room at the same time. I'm <laughs> not at that level yet. I don't even yeah. go in there. I have to monitor the the, uh, the uh, stack as well, which is the where the phones are and stuff. So, But, yeah, it's, it's, multitasking is not an easy. Well, I'm, I'm typing <laughs> here with for, one Especially finger. for a woman, you know. <laughs> oh, you are hey, really easy, easy there. <laughs> well, I thank you very much, Fiona, and, and uh, coming coming from you and having uh, your blessing is is very important to me. I appreciate it very much. So are you planning any other books? Funny you should mention that, Ron. Well, I'm I'm looking to towards, you know, gaining and, and finding some new stories in Massachusetts. And I think like you said, Fiona, it's for me it's nice to to go really off the beaten trail and not just go back to some of the, the tired and true stories that just get recycled over and over again, but for that new fresh material that I know is there, and I know is out there, um, and that's why I'm, you know, I'm looking to listeners and 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 to anyone who has a, has a story to tell. One of the most interesting stories that I still would like to pursue, and I never got up there, was a story I heard from a couple of my brother's friends who went on a camping trip a couple of years ago up to um, Border Pond, which is in you know, it's Boundary Pond in uh, Pittsburgh, New Hampshire. And they were out camping one night, and they you're talking about miles and miles from civilization on the Canadian border, Boundary Pond. But it's a great place for, you know, you can imagine this, Ron, a bunch of guys getting away from the women for a week or so for a good time of camping and drinking beer and fishing out in the middle of nowhere. Alcohol was involved. <laughs> Alcohol was involved. <laughs> So these guys were out fishing one afternoon, and the other, uh, the, uh, their other party went toward it to another pond. If you look on the map, you'll see there's a number of ponds up there. 
And they saw from their boat this man, a very tall, seven-foot-tall, shadowy man pacing back and forth, up and down the shore, just walking. And they're all looking at him saying, what, what, what does he need help or what, what is going on? And they were never able to make contact. He seemed to kind of go in and out of the woods, walking along the shore, pacing, looking for something, agitated. They tried to go, go forth and see if they could flag him down, wave to him, and they lost sight of him. They lost track of him. And they just counted it up to just a weird experience. So they get back to the campground that night, and the other guys say, hey, well, you know, did you catch many fish? You know, how was your day? And they're saying, hey, you know, you're going to believe this, but we saw this man, this giant of a man, you know, walking up and down and pacing along the shores. And they're laughing at him. They're saying, ah, you know, how many beers did you have before you saw the jolly green giant? You know, ah. <laughs> they're laughing at them, and they're saying, no, this is for real. We, you know, we weren't drinking. We saw this broad daylight. We were sober. I swear to God. Look for yourself. So the next day, the other party who had mocked them went out, and they saw the very same thing. And one of their discoveries was that a a fish and game warden had been killed out there in some dispute, shot dead, big tall guy, and apparently there, there are sightings of him along the pond. And that to me was, I, I got the firsthand account from two of the guys who witnessed this. And they're the most straightforward, like, sometimes when people are telling me the stories, they say, you know, you're not, you're, you're going to think I'm a, a you're not going to believe this. But I said, yeah, I, I, I believe you. Just let me, you know, tell me your story. And um, I began to look into it a little bit. But for me, getting up to Pittsburgh, New Hampshire was difficult. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to make the trip. So it was one of those stories that I did put on the back burner, maybe for volume two or maybe for, you know, somewhere down the road. But again, uh, just one of those fascinating stories that, um, that I go back to and think about and it just makes you wonder. Yeah. You know, it's, it, I think you should expand more than just New Hampshire. You should branch out to it. I know we have October Mountain out in Western Mass, which is, Got all kinds of things going on. You have Bigfoot sightings out there. You got UFO sightings out there. You got Lost Cemetery halfway up the mountain. You got all kinds of weird things going on. Ghosts. Yep. Yep. I had looked into, uh, someone had told me about, and I'd heard this too again, uh, about Mount Wachusett in Princeton also being haunted. Um, But again, that's a a story that a lot of people know about. And in fact, Lifetime did uh, a, a film based on the story of little Lucy Keys, who was four years yes, old. Yes, Lucy Keys, right. Lucy yeah. Keys, that, that's Mount Wachusett. And the story goes that um, she disappeared on the mountain, and her mother, Martha Keys, went to her grave trying to find Lucy. Every day was out on the mountain calling her name, Lucy, Lucy. And years after she died, one of the neighbors who owned property adjacent to the Keys, made a confession on his deathbed that he killed the little girl, stuffed her body into a log, and buried it. And it was, um, he was upset at the family over a property dispute, and he uh, killed the little girl. Um, But people say, or the story goes, 
that you can still hear Martha calling out for her little, her lost little girl, the, the bonds of motherhood that go unbroken even into the spirit world. There's wow. actually an uh, independent producer who produced the film out there uh, not too long ago, I'd say probably three years ago. Yeah, I think it was and, 2006. Yeah. And you can go on their website, and he's actually got some interesting shots from, like, the graves. Uh, yes, of I've, seen I've seen Isn't those. I've seen those. Isn't that cool? That, is, that yeah. is cool. It is cool. So I thought, well, there's a haunted hike in Massachusetts, definitely. But I don't know how exploited that story is among the locals. You know what I mean? Um, it is. You know, it's a great story, though. It's a great story, and a lot of ghost hunters already know about it. But I think that your book is also going to appeal to hikers who are looking for other interesting things to note when they're out on hikes. So I think you have an audience there, even and though the story is known. <laughs> That's right, and beer drinkers too. There you go. After a good hike, you have to you have cobble to find load. a good pub to go into and order yourself a nice cold draft. Get a cobble load. <laughs> so anyway. I, I think you have a book in each New England state with the haunted hikes. I, I think that that's that's an, that's really easy. Uh, and, it is. A, uh, it is a book. Yeah, and with the quality of the book that you produced with uh, haunted hikes of New Hampshire, I, I think you're going to have an audience that's going to want more. Well, that's that's encouraging to hear. Um, again, this is my, it, it was a big risk for me. I wasn't sure how it was going to be received. Um, working with Publishing Works is a great company, Jeremy, and uh, we got, I got a lot of publicity, a lot of promotion with them. And just to have the, um, it's just been so well received that it's been, it's been great to uh, have the reviews in and, and really have, um, you know, even the, the blessing of you, because it is, it's, it's, sort of looking at two different worlds. It's looking at the hiking world and producing um, a reliable trail map as well as a hiking guide and levels of difficulty that hikers will need to know, um, but also, you know, going into that, the validity and the authenticity of the story that is tied into this place. So it is a very different kind of book, and if readers want more, we'll just have to find the hikes to bring them to. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something that I'm going to do. I want to plant some letter boxes in these locations, and that will introduce more, even more people to your book and the haunting. Mm-hmm. Are and you what? familiar with letterboxing? Is that the geocaching? Well, it's like geocaching, but you don't have to have any of the fancy toys to identify where it is. You are actually working with maps and with specific directions that are, are verbally given. Well, they're, you find them online. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't have to have the, the global positioning, it's, but it, it is similar. I see. Yep. It, it's a little more artsy and... Uh, it is. It is. I have rustic. heard of it, but I, but I, and I wasn't sure if it, if it fell under geocaching or... Um, no. Yep. No, it, 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 it's been around since long before geocaching, and uh, there's a website called letterboxing.org. Okay. And people can get a lot more information there, but I just think it would be really fun to have a bunch of different letterboxes at the haunted sites, so mm-hmm. the people who go there have some an extra reason to go there. I see. Yep. Excellent idea. Yes. Well, one of the, uh, and, I, and I'll finish up with this one last story. Um, people often ask me, well, you know, have, did, did you have any experiences? And, 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 I, and, I, and I did um, explain sort of a couple of ones that I had, one that I didn't even realize that I was having an experience at the time on Coit Mountain when I was 
trying to track down this figure in the on the mountain. But um, in in doing the research and then also in creating the maps, um, I worked with a map maker out in um, Keene. He's a cartographer. Who he designed all the maps. His name is Tim Trotter. In order to create these maps, I had to myself take a GPS unit and create a track. And then from there, it goes into um, a different program called MapSource and then through Manifold, which then creates a visual piece. So it was a little complicated. I had to learn how to use a GPS, and, and there were some adventures there, believe me. Um, and I had a, some deadlines that I, I had with trying to get all these maps in on time. And Tim's wife just uh, had a baby, so she was he's, he's a busy father. He's a young father, so... And I needed to get the trail map for Nancy Mountain. And the story of Nancy Mountain is described in the book, uh, The Lost Love of Nancy Barton. She was a, a young girl who worked as a, a servant in General, General Willow's um, farm estate in Jefferson. And the story is, uh, which is described in Lucy Crawford's book, uh, The History of White Mountains, she was saving up her money for her dowry and was to be married to a boy named Jim. And Jim and Colonel Whipple took off with her money. And the story goes is that he was to join uh, the war with uh, Colonel Whipple's brother. And they disappeared off into the woods. She learned of the news and was furious. I would say pissed off, but that expression probably didn't exist back then. Besides, you can't say that on the radio. Yeah, I can't say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, off she went to hunt them down. She was very determined that she was going to find them and confront them and get her money back. And it was in December, and she was warned by the people at the Willow House that, um, as Whipple, excuse me, Whipple's house, that you know, she wasn't appropriately dressed, that you should wait till the morning, but she was just adamant, and she left. Well, her body was found the next day by the brook, frozen to death, and she was buried right there. You can visit her grave. It's uh, right on, right off of Route 302. There's a bed and breakfast inn, which is lovely. It's called the Notchland Inn, and the Notchland Inn is actually... Um, part of the uh, registered haunted inns of North America. And they have had some funny experiences there. Um, well, her grave, her, which is it's just, just a, a very simple stone grave that people often come along and they put, place a rock on her grave. It's a Karn grave, is located by the side of the brook where she was found. What people report is that they hear her crying. That's what you hear. Oh. Yeah, you hear her crying, or sometimes you hear her, um, uh, like, shrieking or laughing. You're not sure if it's laughing or crying. So I went out one day in February to get a track of Nancy Mountain in the middle of February. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, good planning. Yeah, that's good planning on my part, yeah. But I had a deadline. I couldn't wait till spring. I had to do it. And there are a number of winter hikers up in the White Mountains, so I, I wasn't too, too worried. I knew I could, I could make it. The, the snow was, was tramped down enough that I really didn't have any difficulty. I had my poles with me. I had my GPS unit with me. Well, I get halfway up the mountain, and I'm losing my signal with my GPS, and I'm, oh, my gee, 
swearing. I'm going, curses, I can't believe this. <laughs> and I, I said, I can't believe it. I came all the way up here in Bartlett, climbing this godforsaken mountain just to get the track so that we can make a, make a map. And my batteries go out. Like, I'm just ready to cry. Oh. All right? Yeah. So coming down the mountain, I can hear some other people coming down. I said, oh, just my luck. Here come two men. And they're carrying these huge packs that got to weigh 200 pounds. They've got a tent. They've got mess kits. They've got ice picks. And lo and behold, they have a GPS unit hooked to their backpack. And I said, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) I couldn't help but notice that GPS unit strapped to your backpack. Are you by any chance taking a track of the mountain? Oh, yes, we are. So I got to talking to these two men, and they had camped for the entire weekend at Norcross Pond, which is just right below the summit of Mount Nancy. And this area is actually known as the Nancy Brook Scenic Area. There's Nancy Brook, Nancy Mountain, and uh, if you look on the maps, that's what it's called. So I'm sort of explaining my story to these to these men who are foresters and very serious winter climbers. And he says, no problem, Marianne, I'm going to mail you the GPS track. No problem. I was just forever grateful. And so I explained to them, you know, the whole story of Nancy. And one of them just looks at me and he said, what, what did you say? Did you say that people hear cries? I said, yeah, that's, you know, that's the story is that supposedly people hear her crying. And he said, last night, no lie, in the middle of the night, I heard this shrieking. And I thought it was a bird. And I kept getting out of my tent to try to find whatever was making this awful shrieking sound. And he kept telling himself, it's just a bird. It's just like an owl or something. But he kept telling himself, he's a forester. This is the middle of February. There's nothing around. What could, what could possibly be making this noise? So they had not even known the story of of Nancy Barton. Um, and to me, uh, that was just like, oh, my goodness, you know, I, I, it, it made me wonder. But, again, a coincidental encounter. I think not. <laughs> and so, anyway, I hate to tell you this, Marianne, but, but we're out we of time. say goodbye to you. Okay. Well, it we was want a to pleasure. thank you so much for coming on. We've been talking to Marianne O'Connor, Haunted Hikes of New Hampshire, who has a website where? www.myspace.com forward slash haunted hikes. And your next appearance will be? at uh, In Center Harbor at Bayswater Books on uh, this Saturday the 19th from 11 to 1 o'clock. Well, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. and It's been uh, a pleasure. It, it, you know, we really look forward to uh, working with you on a couple of little projects, maybe. That sounds like a, a load of fun. I can't wait. Well, you haven't met me. <laughs> Will oh, there Mary be beer involved? Very cool story. Good night. Okay, you too. Good night. Yeah, bye now. Well, that was pretty cool, huh? Ah, oh, her stories are so great, and and you know, I no pun intended. Breath of fresh air, you know, yeah. just wonderful stories and not overtold and things that I've never heard of before in many cases. 
And, uh, you know, it just makes me want to get outside and go hiking and discover these haunted places. That staircase, I've got to go see that staircase. That's Yeah, that's so something. Cool. Uh, yeah, I had talked to Marianne. We're definitely going to be doing a podcast with her, so maybe you can tag along. Anyway, speaking about tagging along, I believe you're coming to our haunted lighthouse tour? Absolutely, August 7th, and uh, going to be meeting up with David Wells from Most Haunted TV Show, and uh, I think it's going to be a great adventure, and I'm, I'm really excited about spending a full day of going to haunted places, haunted lighthouses like this. What an opportunity. Yeah, that's, uh, it's all sold out, so if you didn't buy your tickets, you missed it. Oh, well. Uh, but we have some other great events with David Wells. We are doing Ghost Hunt with him, uh, as well as uh, a haunted cruise, believe it or not. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, I was really, you know, I wanted to go so badly with you guys when you went down to Coconut Grove, because I, I just, for some reason, have been drawn there, I, ever since you started talking about it. Uh, well, I'll have to know, get down and have to pay myself. Yeah, when you're when you're more on your feet, we'll go down. I'll go down again so that I can show you the different hot spots, so to speak, uh, at that area because it's it's really a it's an intriguing site. It's unusual. The energy there is just weird. You know, there's not a whole lot to see, but for a ghost hunter, it's it's something that's a little bit different. Right. Now you went at night, I assume, right? We went late in the afternoon, first of all, to check the site out because we hadn't been there in about a year. Okay. And uh, then we went back again when it got dark. And both times we had slightly different experiences. But even in the daylight, you could feel that there's something going on there. And both Margaret and I was weird. We got goosebumps. I mean, you know, really raised goosebumps. But our, on our faces, we could feel the flames. And it, it really? was like, yeah, it's almost as soon as you round the corner from Arlington Street going up Piedmont Street, which is where the uh, site is. It's 17 Piedmont Street. Uh, but as soon as you turn that corner off of uh, Arlington Street, you just get the feeling that it's like, why is it so hot here? And, you know, you, you think for a few minutes that it's just plain the summer day, and then you realize, no, this feels different. So it's well worth a visit. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely one of my things on my to-do list. There, there are so many, unfortunately. <laughs> But uh, we're really excited about the Brits coming over. Gavin Cromwell from uh, uh, the U.K., he's a Welsh psychic, a, a young gentleman, about 25 years old, awesome psychic, took us to the lighthouse. He got the lighthouse uh, keeper's name, first and last name, uh, a couple other things. It's simply amazing. He was over here working with us uh, in April. We went to Lizzie Borden House, and went to, which you can actually see on our MySpace, some of the pictures from it. Or you can go to the Haunted Devon site, which is, uh, oh, I can't think of it. But anyways, uh, they actually have video of uh, Maureen and work and everything. So it was cool. Well, and uh, so what's, what's coming up with you? Because uh, time is about running out. Yeah, uh, free course, uh, free introductory ghost hunting course. Sign up at hollowhill.com. All right. So uh, once again, uh, I'll see you next week, right? Yes, indeed. Been listening to Ghost Chronicles Live on TojiNet. I am Ron Cohen, my co-host of the Fiona Broom. Good night and God bless. To ghosties, long-legged beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.